Hey guys, it's Kurt. Before we begin today's episode, I just wanted to explain what you're about to hear. The introduction was actually recorded during the competitive season. Melissa and I had planned to tackle today's topic way back then, but in the course of recording that session, we had some major technical difficulties, and that's part of why we didn't have another episode throughout all of last season. We're back, we're stronger than ever, and I hope you enjoy the intro because we had a lot of fun making it. Enjoy the show. Judge is ready. Okay, Kurt, so I've noticed you've been spending a lot of time in tab room lately. Do you have any juicy stories for me? <laughs> Melissa, I would never break tab room confidence. Okay, but like not even for this cupcake? No, not even for a cupcake. Okay, how about two cupcakes? Okay, Ron Steinhorst told me that because Dora Sexton. Meanwhile, it comes out that Carrie Baker and are. And all because John Balseric deed. We will never speak of this ever again. Well, you said you wanted to know. Never again! Today, we will begin a series of conversations around topics that don't usually come up in the mixed company of coaches in the WFCA. Perhaps we will whisper about some of these topics with coaches we know the best, but they don't come up at meetings. These conversations may include topics that some find uncomfortable. We may call into question long-standing practices that you hold near and dear to your heart. We do not mean to offend, but we do hope to get the community talking openly about subjects that otherwise wouldn't come up. Forensics Faces is tackling topics too taboo for the tab room. This, this is, is Forensics, Forensics Faces. All right. Hey, Melissa. Hi, Kurt. Here we are. We're here again. Mm-hmm. Doing it and well. Doing it and doing it and doing it well. Yes. At least yes. I hope so. I tried I tried to skip a few doing it's just, you know, for copyright reasons, but then you went there. You so know it's what? okay. I would consider it a success to get a legal notice. <laughs> that <laughs> would be like really good. It means somebody's a listening. All press is good press. <laughs> so what's going on? How's how's life uh, not specific to forensics, but then also how is life specific to forensics? I mean, yeah, there's not really a life that's not specific to forensics these days, but it's good. We're in the process of doing things. Um, we, Sheboygan South, are hosting a movie night this Wednesday for prospective members uh, of the Figures of Speech film, yep. which is one that like uh, is all about the debate world and forensics and whatnot. So. I have not seen it, so I'm excited just to see it myself. But I'm also excited to, one, see my old students, who I haven't seen really a lot since summer, and two, hopefully meet some new ones, because I love I love fresh meat, but not in, like, the mean <laughs> fraternity way, but in, like, the nice, interesting, new kids with new stories way, because as much as you love your kids, you spend a lot of time with them in four years, you hear a lot of the same stories. Yeah. So I'm excited for some new see, stories. See, that's your mistake. You actually listen to them when they talk. I do. <laughs> that's a problem of mine. But yeah, how, how how about yours? Uh, good. We had our first official team meeting on Wednesday where mm-hmm. like anybody from the school and new members were invited to show up. Uh, we had met a couple times this summer already. And so the few kids who are coming back from previous years 
uh, we'd been in contact, but we were able to touch base with the newbies. And I'm really excited about this group because they responded really well to the competitive part of it. Okay. Because we're doing a, this thing this year where we are trying to be more strategic in how we place our competitors so we can earn team points and, yeah. and try to do well as a team. And we are still working to get up to 25 individual yeah. entries for a state. So there's no reason we should be competing against each other as often as we do. And as I explained that process and how the point system works and that this is a competition, um, and I was like, and we're really trying to win. Like they got this, this look in they their got the eyes. Glint. Yes. That I was like, yes, they care. They care about winning, Good. which is important. Well, and that's like a struggle that you have as a coach is trying to decide like what you're doing. That's can be good for the individual student versus the, the whole of the team. And that's a really complicated aspect of our activity is mm -hmm. the idea that there is this team aspect on top of this individual aspect and trying to find the balance within that can be really hard. Yeah. But also really fun to, to take the time to like be strategic. I'm well, interested in that, that you like, you like strategize. We've never done it before. Yeah. This is new to me. Um, I, I we'll see if I like it, but you know, and at the core, it doesn't matter what category you do in forensics. I think it has value and it's mm -hmm. good for you as a student. So I don't feel bad guiding students towards the categories in which we need strength. Yeah. You know, and especially when they're the students who don't know what they want to do when they come to you. A lot of times they're just some, what certain people might consider to be a throwaway category that doesn't require that much work. Right. Uh, seemingly doesn't require that much work, but when you actually like maybe take time to talk to a student more, you can figure out, well, you might want to do that thing, but let's yeah. try this potentially cooler <laughs> thing instead. Now that being said, we are also trying to partner with the poetry club at mm. North high. Um, because the advisor of that club reached out and thinks that they have the interest to be able to perform the pieces that they're creating more. Cool. Um, and so we're, we potentially might have like a whole bunch of poets <laughs> reading their own poetry. Yeah. That will kind of exist outside of like our strategic yeah. mix, but uh, we are still trying to make sure that we have a, a good mix of mm -hmm. competitors and we're not going head to head that That's often. exciting. I like that. Yeah. New. So we also had an exciting time last weekend. Wedding, wedding, celebrating wedding. a forensics wedding. Yay! So the official forensics faces congratulations to Dan and Liz. Yay! Uh, Liz, who was my assistant coach for one glorious year, best year ever, uh, before she went off to Michigan for reasons I still don't fully understand. Something to do with um, full-time yeah. employment and education. Yeah, full-time employment, um, bettering themselves, like free tuition, like some pretty cool stuff, I guess. Yes, but on the other hand, she left coaching us. forensics at North High. Yes, with Kurt. And then also being Melissa's built-in roommate for all nationals trips yes. because Liz is an excellent roommate for nationals because she and I would eat Nutella in bed together <laughs> and it was glorious. Yeah, like she, she was a really great fit, so... Uh, we have remained friends, and I'm so happy for her and yes. for Dan, and congratulations to both of them. Um, yeah, and if if you know those folks, make sure to send them some congratulations. It was a beautiful wedding, yes. a beautiful day, a gorgeous couple. They're super, super nice people. Lovely and nerdy, just like us. Yeah, we love them. So um, I have one more thing to share. <gasps> what are you sharing, Kurt? So we mentioned last time that I would 
was working on my very first audiobook. It has now been released, and I am giving away 10 free Audible credits for Ooh. listeners of Forensics Faces to download my first audiobook, Yay. Wolf Song. So um, first of all, let me say that you can also just go buy it. Which you totally should. <laughs> if you're so inclined, you can search Audible for Wolf Song. It's not the crappy one. It's the good one, the one with the good reviews so far. <laughs> It's been out a little over a week. We have like 50 some reviews and most of them are very, very positive. So um, a reminder, this is a novel with adult themes and language. But if you're listening to this, you can win a free download. And all you have to do is tweet at Forensics Faces using the hashtag Wolf Song. That's all one word. And describe your favorite movie, book or television show involving a werewolf. Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf 2. Okay, you're giving it, you're giving them too many ideas. Um, so I will then direct message you with an offer code you can use to download the audiobook on Audible for free. For and free? For free. And by the way, it is selling because it is an 18 hour and 40 minute audiobook for $25. Dang. $25 audiobook. So that is a $25 value. Um, and there's two ways you can win. The first is if you are one of the first five people to do this, you get it automatically. Um, and then after that, uh, however many come in after the first five, we'll all go into a metaphorical bucket and I will randomly select five. I want a real bucket. <laughs> I want us to draw the names out of a literal bucket on the podcast at the conclusion of our se- of okay. this little series we're doing. You're in charge of that. Great. You're Can I decorate the bucket? the bucket? I would expect you oh, to decorate yes. the bucket. Yes, um, yes, so yes. yes, we're doing this, this fall series too taboo for the tab room. And uh, at the end of that series, we will randomly select the other five people. So 10 people total, the first five, and then uh, the five more who are selected at the end of this series. 10 people in total will get this book for free. Uh, and again, it's a $25 book. Which is awesome. So Eight, 18 hours and 40 minutes of Kurt's luscious, luxurious voice. Yep. You'll be real sick of hearing from me. No, you Between won't. this podcast and... <laughs> No, I listened, I listened to the audio, the audible uh, sample that they have, and it sounded lovely, and I'm excited. So Good. Good. I sent you a code. I know. You I haven't downloaded it yet, but that's no. because I'm planning to do a like small listening party with one of our <laughs> mutual friends who we're going we're gonna to do that, and I have an outfit already picked out because, you know, I am a theme person. You- <laughs> I like themes. I like structure, and that's one of the reasons I'm really excited about the series that we're doing because our episodes are suddenly very structured now with our two taboo for the tab room. We, yeah. So speaking of which, shall we get into it? Yeah. But like quick, like pseudo warning, I guess, mm-hmm. is that like we're talking about these topics because they're uncomfortable. Like they're not an easy topic to discuss. They're not necessarily the most fun, but we definitely it's one of those things that in talking about stuff we wanted to cover on the podcast. Kurt and I found this to be an important thing to use our platform to do. So if if you... And also we just like to kind of... We like just like to talk. Talk about things. Yeah. <laughs> but we, I, I want there to be discourse. I want people to participate and I want to hear people who disagree with the way that we feel about these things because that's what makes our activity really interesting is people coming from different viewpoints to... Come to one place. Yeah. So what's our first two taboo for the tab room topic? All the T's. Our very first two taboo for the tab room topic is racial, gender, and sexual stereotypes in interp and acting. 
Yes. So this is a, a topic of conversation that actually came up last year uh, because we encountered well, several pieces because and, and have for many, many years. But there was one in particular that kind of set it off. And what happened in this piece is that it really kind of ran the gamut of all of these things. And so there was stereotypically African-American, stereotypically Asian, stereotypically gay um, characters that were used in this piece. And maybe it's just because they were all shoved together in one one solo acting round. One 10 minute. Yeah. That yeah. <laughs> it just really begged the question, like, why are we still doing this? Yeah. Or, or like, is it something we should be doing? Is it, is it worth having these stock characters in 2016? Yeah. I, and, and it's something that you, that coaches can struggle with because it's the idea of, especially in a category like solo, um, that the only way to get a characteristic across to your audience is just blowing it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be really lazy. Like when a student comes to me with like, I want to do this voice. And I'm like, that is lazy and frankly racist. Yeah. And it's sometimes figuring out like how, a, when a student crosses that, like that line from an impression into something that's just like, that just makes everyone in the room cringe when you do it. But see, that's, I disagree with that last statement. Okay. I don't think enough people cringe <laughs> when it happens. But it, because obviously it's part of our culture because it's happening all the time. Yeah. So like let's let's break it down like racial stereotypes. Like, and yes. I mentioned two of them already. Like we we know the stock like sassy black lady yep. character. You know, that that makes its it that rears its head often. Often. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know. The Asian stereotype, mm-hmm. the, the terrible Asian accent or just making whatever your smartest character is into an Asian an character, Asian character. Um, you know, that rears its head a lot. We see a lot of the super effeminate gay man. Yes. Like where it has no business being. Mm-hmm. And like of I'm, I'm usually pretty good about just being like, let people develop their characters the way they see fit. Mm-hmm. And I will critique how well they do it. But I have on ballots in the past been like, I don't know what it was about this character that made you think they were this stereotypically yeah. effeminate gay man. And maybe I'm super sensitive to it. I don't I mean, I don't think it's just the fact that like it it's something to be sensitive about, like in, in our talking to leading up to this episode, it's the idea that the only way to and I'm using air quotes, accurately portray a gay man is to make him an effeminate, snapping, limp-wristed, like, high voice. And that is not an accurate representation of a gay man in America or really any country for that matter. But it's figuring out then, like, how can we tell someone that what they're doing when they do that is, and I'm going to use this word often because it's the phrase that I use when coaching. Mm-hmm. How do I tell them that what they're doing is lazy? And it's not mm-hmm. it's not thinking about people complexly, which can be really hard for high schoolers to do because they haven't gone out into the world to interact with people. But it's how can we portray characters in a short 10 to sometimes 12 minute span and do so in a way that is like true to how complex human beings actually are. Mm-hmm. And let me be clear about something. I'm not talking about a characterization from the author. Like 
Yeah. They're like you if if the character is written to be that so, way, of course, then you that's how you portray them. them that way. I'm talking more about the times when it's like there's no basis in the writing for that character being that way. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it and this is it's a solo hum problem specifically, but yes. like, you're saying that being an effeminate gay man is funny. Yeah. Like that's the thing that makes that character funny. That's the being thing that makes a sassy that black land. woman yeah. is what makes that character funny. There's nothing else about nothing in the writing to indicate that that's who that person should be. But by making them an outsized over the top character with those characteristics, well, that's funny. Yeah. And I guess I'm the one sitting there being like, that's not funny. That's not funny. Like if it was written to be that way and you execute it well, that's funny. You'll get my chuckle. Exactly. Well, it, you, you don't laugh in round. You don't react in round. So they wouldn't, they, uh, you, you wouldn't chuckle. I, I mean, I've, I've, They've gotten me a couple times. Really? Yeah, I mean, not, oh, okay. Not, you know, I try to be fairly uh, pleasantly poker faced, <laughs> you know, because I, you know, I, I, as you, a competitor, I hated those judges who like yeah. gave me nothing. Like, oh, I, I, I purposely am very reactionary because I'm, about yeah, it. try to encourage via my face. Also, I, I try not to be someone who laughs during round and because I know it can time to be distracting if the judge is. So when I do laugh, you know, it's a really big moment. But right. very rarely am I going to be laughing when you're my interpretation of, of racist. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess that's I don't know that there's anywhere to disagree with this, but I'm sure. Well, there's I'm sure there is. I mean, from in my mind, the people who are playing devil's advocate are the ones who are saying like, in order, like solo hum is about blowing things up. It's about being over the top. It's about like having characters that are larger than life because you have to do so to be able to get all of that into 10 minutes. But I can think of plenty of great, memorable solo hum pieces and performances that didn't make me cringe Mm -hmm. with them. Like, and also, (laughs) uh, just from the standpoint of the way that like sometimes men portray female characters within solo hums. Like I am just too feminist sometimes for that (laughs) when it's just like the guy and it's just like really cool and just like slump shoulders and all that stuff. And then the female character is just talking in that crazy voice that I wonder if that's what, like if that's what my voice sounds like in the side inside of teenage boys brains, like, well, you're listening to it right now. Yeah, but I know what it sounds like. It, it's, it always talks like this. It's always this like high-pitched, like ridiculous thing that's always really far in the front of your mouth. And there's lots of head shaking. And you're, I'm just like, who do you know that talks like that? I don't. I know a few teenagers who talk like that, but. <laughs> but it's just, it's just the, like. Again, if the character is not written that way. Yeah. And I it, for me, it's just pushing that idea to students that like when it comes time to break down characters, like. I want you to think about them complexly. Mm-hmm. I want you, I'm not asking you to like character study your solo hum, but I'm, I'm genuinely asking you to put in the legwork and the effort to make sure that the portrayal that you're doing is non-offensive in as many ways as it can be. Cause there are plenty of other things in solo hum that are offensive. John Balseric <laughs> thinks popping in, in solo hum is offensive. So, but that's cause he has particular tastes and he's also wrong. Well, but th- that's a matter of, of that's critiquable. Yes. You can you can agree or disagree with that. But then I how do we as that like, we're starting a conversation that yeah. will lead people to just start to realize that like as a practice using those stock stereotypical characters when they are not called for. Yes. 
is probably a little insensitive. Mm-hmm. And also, and sometimes it's the the fact that there are a lot of really easy, I shouldn't say easy, like there are pieces that take less effort to put together because they're very easy characters like that laid out where it's easy to be like, all right, well, that would be really easy to just have that be a sassy black woman voice Mm -hmm. because it's just a female and I need a different voice. So sometimes it's just making sure that the source material that we're using can help push us away from having to make those choices in the first place. And before I fall off my high horse, like (laughs) I am guilty of this. Like I have, I have used these characters with people in the past when I was a competitor, I saw them all the time and thought they were funny, encouraged teammates to like go further. I am older. I am wiser. I think you are woke. I know that 2016 is different than 2003 when I graduated from high school. Yeah. We are, as in a society, more aware of how these portrayals in forensics, but like on a greater level, like on TV and movies mm-hmm. that, you know, Oscar So White happened last year. Like we don't see enough positive portrayals of minority characters yeah. in mainstream media. Uh, we can't control that, but we can control this little microcosm of entertainment called mm-hmm. the forensics community. And we can do our best to not represent characters in these pat stereotypical representations. So, so let's, let's have a conversation. Let's hear what you have to say. Um, The only other thing I would, I would use as a quota on this is just the fact that we forensics in general is such a safe place for so many people. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is one of the few things that could put somebody off to the activity if it's not done well. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, you know, again, if it's if it, the character is written that way, do it like that. Yes. <laughs> respect what's on the page. But I think that even if a young person who's watching the piece can't articulate why it is they're being put off by it, mm-hmm. it's it can turn them off to the activity. Yeah. So let's be, let's be sensitive about that. And I guess maybe that's part of the theme of all of taboo for the tab room. Like, yeah. Like we're trying to make it so that people can walk into a forensics round and feel safe and yes. not uh, attacked or worried about what it is that, that they're seeing or presenting. So, so yeah, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. Yes, please, so please, please let us know. Discourse. Uh, where you're at in, in this conversation about racial gender and sexual stereotypes um and one final one that i have to call out which was uh mackenzie berkey's really inappropriate uh stock character of a tyrannosaurus rex yeah we i know it was really specious of us but we like i regret it now and i'm sure that she does too she goes to college like she she is really woke she's mm -hmm. all tumbled out so i'm sure that like if if she could be on the podcast, she'd apologize like I'm sure herself. She, like if she had just met a T Rex in high school and gotten to know, we're from a really small no, town. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, she would have realized that that was inappropriate. Yeah, it was not. She did not think about that that T Rex complexly Ugh, enough. The tiny arms. I know. Like, such a stereotype. Oh, we're sorry. I apologize on behalf of her <laughs> as her coach. I apologize on behalf of her. You no, know, I want a written statement. Okay. I'll get one. Yeah. What, she's current. She's currently complete competing at a tournament in Alabama, but I'm sure that once she's like back in her regular life and not exhausted from not sleeping for two and a half days, she can write us up something for us Sounds to post. Good. Sounds, so we'll be waiting for that. Mackenzie. Okay. I was 
offended. Get on it, Patches. <laughs> All right. So that's kind of ending that topic on a light note. Yes. But, um, so, uh, I mean, I think the next topic isn't nearly as as heavy either, but it's one that I definitely feel is. It's much grayer. Yes. Like, this is, the area is very gray, more than 50 shades of it. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily fun. But we when we asked for you guys to send us uh, submissions, we had a listener submission. I believe this one came from uh, multiple uh, venues and something that I have had people discuss with me in person. So uh, we all help our students be better, but how much can we help before they're presenting our work and not their own? So it's how much coach input and oversight pushes that, tips that scale over. Yeah. And I will say straight out of the bat that I am a overbearing coach in a lot of ways. I, because I am someone who like just due to my personality type and like the job that I have in every day where I just am overseeing things. And like, I want the outcome to be something that I can be proud of. Like I want to make sure that I'm helping my students do so. And I know that sometimes that can be me inputting too much, especially in the speech world for me when it comes to speeches, especially students who are new to speech and it's how much am I hand holding and how much am I dragging along? I think it's, um, well, first of all, again, I'm stepping off my high horse. Like this is probably a line that many people would say, like maybe I have crossed because I don't know what the line is for some people. For some people, the line may be like, you don't, other than like grammatical corrections, you don't help them at all. And I know there are coaches who is philosophy is like, they find their piece, they cut their piece, they do their whole thing. And I'm just here to kind of guide. Yes. Um, I do more than that. I do way more than that. I really, you know, I am hoping to put them in a position to do well and, there's a point at which forensics kids, um, the really spectacular ones, uh, learn how they learn the process and they start to do it by themselves. Yeah. And, oh, that's so satisfying when they do. Yes. That. And you're like, you barely had to touch it and they're being successful. And it's like, oh, great. Um, you great. Job. Awesome. You know, uh, very, very few, if any, start that way. Yeah. You have to teach them how to do forensics well, whether that's picking and cutting pieces or in my case, where I'm probably the most overbearing is in the writing of the speech. Mm-hmm. That being said, you can go talk to any one of my kids and they will tell you, I do not write a speech for them. Nope. I always, but, but it is sort of a running joke inside the team that like, you just have to write something down. Kurt will make it good. Mm-hmm. Like you have to write your own speech and then I can come in and I can help with the structure and the style and improving the substance and making sure things are uh, attributed correctly. Um, Or if it's not the type of speech that requires attribution, just making sure that it has a nice, uh, you know, entertaining flow to it, that things make sense, that the logic from one point to the next follows. And yeah, I will do a lot of work with a student. (laughs) Yeah. A lot. And like in terms of interp for, for my team, Ben and I have built a library like, I'm bragging about it all the time, but he has done an amazing job of making sure that we have an insanely wide variety of pieces. And I, on the off season, will cut pieces so that we have pieces that are already cut for time Mm -hmm. that we have pieces that we've already written introductions into. So a student can come in being brand new and it's like, 
okay, here you have choices that have been narrowed down for you because honestly coming in and being like, okay, pick a book when there are probably, we're probably near thousands, like over definitely we're, it's a ridiculous amount of books that are in that, in that room. And so trying to narrow that down for them. And I, I appreciate doing that. It took, I, it took me probably at least four years, if not more to feel confident in cutting pieces. Cause it's mm-hmm. not easy to do. And being someone who their team, we have a good amount of pieces that are cut from novels. And that's one of the most difficult things ever to do. Uh, and being someone who <laughs> students like Ali Machnick can, can, uh, vouch for this, but the idea of I will cut a piece from a play and cut from every single area. And then when it comes time to turn that in, like it looks ridiculous, but I, because I, I want to have that skill, some be something that they get to take advantage of by being on my team and I'll teach a kid how to do it and they'll teach each other how to do it. But when it comes to a freshman who's just coming in, you can't just be like, Oh, you want to, okay. You want, well, you can just, here you go get overwhelmed and completely freaked out and scared and then never come back. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that. And it took a long time for me to figure out the speech thing. Cause my, my trick is I'm a Google doc speech writer. Yeah. My students and I will sit next to each other on our respective uh, computer devices. And then we'll just, they'll have given me the speech and we'll just type back and forth. Okay. I want something that sounds like this and figuring out where that is. But then I don't really know where that percentage then lies. Like, there are going to be speeches where I feel like the student did 70% of the work and I did like 30 and others of mm-hmm. them are 95, five. And so there are those coaches that think that like even that 95, five is too much, but even that 70, 30, I'm sure sounds crazy. But again, I'm, yeah. I'm an overly involved coach. I care too much. And I know that it's just forensics. And I have to tell myself that all the time. But at the same time, the students take it very seriously, and I want them to see that I do too. So what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, I think you did too much work for this student. It's not their original work anymore. Well, I'd want to know what made them think that. Like what? Well, like they just listened to you say that. That 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 70-30 is too much. Yeah. Then I would say that student is, if it's 70-30, it's most likely the fact that they're a freshman. They wrote 70% of that speech. That's still the majority. And then that remaining 30% is me helping them. The term that we use on my team is fluff, is mm-hmm. fluff and stuff. So it's it's figuring out how to make some of the wording prettier. But then there's still the whole delivery of the speech and the way that they say those words, that makes it their own. That's one of the reasons that declamation is so interesting because you can have students in the same round performing the same cutting of the same speech and it sounds so different. And so I may have contributed... of that speech, but that delivery is 100% theirs. Mm -hmm. Like I may have contributed like coaching aspects of it, but if you think that 30% is too much, I'm sorry. I'm curious to see if we hear from anybody who does think that's too much. I would say that I have easily reached that, that level of, of sharing uh, probably on some cases even more so. Oh, definitely. Like again, I, I will try to encourage people to start in speech. I think it's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. I've said that on many of these episodes. Uh, and often the hurdle we have to jump over to get them to get a new student to try speech is I don't like to write. And I need to be able to look at them and say, that's okay. You don't have to be a good writer. That's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. 
just right so I know what you're thinking. So yeah. I know your ideas. So I know like what point you're trying to make. And then we can, it's I will help you find other sources. I will help you, you know, write the sentence correctly. I will make sure that there is a theme. Uh, so, that, you know, so that there's, there's, because so many judges like to see that, that yeah. running structure. Uh, those are all things I have to give them because they're tools they don't come with. And, yeah. and this is the other really important thing about speech writing that I will get on my soapbox for 30 <laughs> seconds and then I will step off, which is that in the high schools I work in, and I know I've heard this from a lot of other coaches, in high school they are not teaching writing anymore. Nope. They Unless you take a composition class, you are not getting any lessons in composition I have heard people I respect very much in my school talking to students saying the writing doesn't matter. The grammar doesn't matter. It's about the ideas. They are trying to build up the ideas, yeah. which I think is important. It, not, it is. I'm not saying don't worry about the ideas, but I'm saying when I was in high school, it was about the ideas. It was about the structure. It was about the grammar. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many students come into forensics having gotten nothing. Yeah. And so how do you give them that basis other than to say, let's sit down. Your example is a good one whether you're in the same room or just working off the same document, let me show you how we construct mm -hmm. a, an oratory, yeah, a persuasive speech. Mm -hmm. Like you've given me the first 10 yards. Now you and I have to run the next 90 yeah. together. Hashtag sport ball. <laughs> Packer game is happening right now as we record. Yes. Go, go football. And presumably band. a team is winning. Woo. Ooh. So, so, all right, I'm getting off my soapbox now, but like students aren't taught writing yeah. as much as they used to be, at least as not as much as I was. No. And so sometimes you are starting from scratch and all you're getting is ideas because yeah. that's all they've, they've been taught to cultivate. And, and I know that for some, for some people, like everyone approaches the way that they coach differently. Like some people are the forensics advisor. They are there to advise their team. Some people consider themselves coaches. I always say that I never want to just be an advisor. I always want to be a coach, but if I could change the way that I was, I would be Sheboygan South forensics team co-collaborator because I want what I do with my students to be a collaboration because I think that's when they're most successful is when you have a collaborative relationship where both people are bringing their best skills to the table as it is with any project, mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, when it's a collaboration, that's when everyone is bringing out their best. And that's when, for me, it's the most satisfying as a coach when it's like the two of you bringing it together. And sometimes a student is like, I don't know how to put into words the things that I feel about this thing. And then, so it's like, well, let's do it together. Right. So yeah, people can tell me I'm over-involved. That's fine. I figured that out six years ago. So <laughs> that's okay with me. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to our cool kids club. <laughs> We're the people who sit here and do a podcast about forensics. So yeah. I don't think either one of us is going to be like, oh, you're too involved. Yeah. No. Like we get it. You want you want to be involved, and that's um, and we appreciate that. We appreciate people who get involved in our activity in any way, whether they are simply an advisor who doesn't have the ability or energy to dedicate as much as someone like me does. I totally understand. I appreciate you just being there for your students. Yeah, and I don't mean to. We don't mean to like crap on other people's coaching styles either. <laughs> I hope it doesn't sound like we're doing that. I love all coaching styles and all people and kinds. Of ways of approaching our activity. It's just forensics. It's just forensics. At the Tap end of the dances. Um, one thing that I will, uh, we talked a little bit about this last time, but it kind of 
works in this topic as well, mm-hmm. um, which is the practice of recycling pieces. Like, oh, I had a kid do this three years ago. Here's the same cutting. I am let a recycler. Te- let me teach you how they did that. Um, do you think that makes it non-original work for the student? Here's, okay. I am a piece recycler. There are pieces that we have in our library that are, in my mind, excellent start-off pieces. Like pieces where sometimes the, and it's a critiquable thing, that the actual piece itself is doing most of the legwork in the beginning before a student can alter it. But I, and I have done pieces over. We try to do it. If a student does it, you have to wait one graduate, like one four-year graduation period until someone does it again. But I will never, ever, 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 ever block it the same way. (laughs) Sometimes, and almost always, I change the cutting a little bit to make it more fresh for that student. Mm -hmm. But like the idea of people who like see a piece at nationals, steal that exact cutting, that exact blocking, that exact vocal, yep, everything about it. And you're like, huh. And for me, like, because I go to nationals, I'm privileged enough to be someone who attends nationals and goes to final rounds. I know that that happened. And I, as a judge, can be like, okay, right. let's uh, tell you that this is a bad idea. But there are plenty of people who don't know that. So they think that you made those choices and they want to give you that credit. And I think that it is okay for teams to have pieces that they use on a regular basis and source materials that are great. But when you're just completely redoing it over and over again, mm-hmm. you're not actually recycling, you're cloning. Yeah, Recycling is one thing. Just completely cloning a piece and doing it all over again. The oh, same is. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Because I guess when you recycle something, you are turning it into something else. Yeah. Like that's what recycling mm-hmm. is. So I hope I hope I to like not that. just recycle, but to upcycle. Yeah. To take something and make it better than it was the first time. All right. I like that. Thanks. I like that. No, I think you, you described that well. Thanks. Using the same piece is not the same as giving the same performance. Yeah. Which one I think is fine and common practice and we all have to do it because we don't. Yeah. There's I mean, no way to escape even, it. Even when you have a thousand pieces in your library, like you're going to you're gonna do some of, some of these stuff. Yep. more than once. There are things, um, pieces are good for a reason. But yeah, let, let, you know, that student's interpretation should be allowed to come out. It should not be a watch this video, do it like they did it. Yeah. That sort of that thing. That sucks. So. All right. So those were our two topics for today. Yeah. For first two part tabos. in our series. Yeah. First part. Um, it's not too late if you want to submit a topic for later in the Taboo series. Yes. We have a few episodes already planned out, but mm-hmm. there is room for more. Yes. So if something we talked about sparked an idea that you want to send to us, um, just send it on over. And there's a multitude of ways to do that. You got Facebook, Forensics Faces. You got Twitter, at Forensics Faces. You got our email account, ForensicsFaces.com. All these places that you can submit to us. How you would like to participate. Emails listen at forensicspaces.com, by the way. I forgot to say the listen part. But there's also, you can just go to the website. Go to the website. And find the contact contact information. (laughs) But we encourage participation. We encourage ideas. And that's one of the reasons that we're doing this too taboo is that we want our platform to be a comfortable place for people to discuss this so that it is also a comfortable thing for people to talk about. On buses and cafeterias and judges' lounges. Yep. We want these things to be less taboo to discuss. Let's chat, guys. Let's let's just let's just let's just have a little chin wag. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. 
Forensic Spaces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme music was written and performed by JJ Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find more info at ForensicSpaces.com and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensic Spaces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order.